0: Time. This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You're going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, left, toward the corner of the zone, it is intercepted! intercepted! The of the ball! Every story. And so we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys. It's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 961 580 The Game. This is going to be one of those days. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. I don't want to be here. I'll be honest. It is absolutely beautiful outside my studio. Blue skies, sunny, green grass, Justin, you don't look like you want to be here either. Uh, it, it'd be nice if we could
1: record the podcast outside, but yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> we can't do that. I can do a lot of I. Well, so I did. You know, I worked for a few hours this morning before coming here on Scoop Duck, and I had my computer. I had my computer out, and I was on my deck outside. Nice. It, yeah. Normally, I'd watch Netflix and work a little bit, but I was like, you know what? Eh. Just turn on some music, sat outside, listen to the birds and the dogs bark, and just whatever. Yeah.
0: Hey, at the at the very least. I can say, I was thinking about this this morning. I, I, these ideas always sort of pop into my head. I'm in the shower. I'm thinking about what do I want to talk about on my radio show? And I'm thinking about what do I want to talk about on this pod? And at first I went, well, there's not going to be anything, right? right. Basketball offseason, baseball team is kind of in the doldrums right now, football offseason. Then it hit me, recruiting.
1: Well, yeah, we have recruiting and then we still have football. I mean, I think there's a lot to, you know, there's always something to talk about, you know, with regards to football. Um, you know, I don't know if you looked there, were, you know, I put a, uh, I put a post on scoop duck up earlier of people would, Hey, what do you want us to talk about? And like nine tenths of it was all football. You know, 90% was I all, love it. let's talk about the Auburn game. Let's, it's it. like, okay. I mean, seriously, I mean, the Auburn game is, I'm not picking on the person that posted that, but you know, it's friggin', you know, Hey, five months away, four months away, whatever. You can never
0: have enough prep.
1: No. Yeah. I mean, think
0: about how fast a game plan turns around in college football.
1: Yeah. You get the
0: film on Sunday. You got to study on Monday. You got to grind. Yeah. They got five months to grind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We got five months to four months, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, no, I'm glad, you know, I, again, I think that's what we've, you know, that's what we kind of almost preach on this podcast every week is that, you know, it should be. You know, ninety percent about football because football's king. I mean, that's the exciting. You know, that's what people sign up for, Scoop Duck for. That's what, you know, people watch on TV because their ratings are better than anything else. I mean, I don't. Did you watch the Blazers last night? Yeah. I mean, at least there's that going on. Yeah.
0: I mean, the could, the Nikola Jokic show. Yeah, oh, yeah, and,
1: and Millsap, and I mean, shoot, you know, here's the thing, if. um, if Dame puts in forty points, so they get thirty nine. If Dame's gonna pour in thirty nine points, and they're gonna they're gonna lose, then they're gonna be in trouble. The Blazers are gonna be in trouble then, no doubt. Yeah, so they either need to come up with a way to, you know, guard that interior more effectively, uh, or uh, you know, I guess McCollum needs to step up too. He had a pretty quiet night for himself as well. But uh, I mean, they were close. They just they just looked a little flat. They 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 looked like they thought they were gonna walk through Denver. And uh, Denver looked like they were ready to roll.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to talk about that on my show a little bit later today. Yeah, uh, I I can't wait for Game Two. Yes, but but like you mentioned, uh, a couple of of topics that the people have asked about in the thread you posted on Scoop Duck, and I love it because some weeks we we get feedback, we use it. I think this is one of them. Um, oh. This one made me laugh. I'm really glad somebody asked this. What's that? Who is Colson Yankoff? Oh, yeah. Do you not know? No, I know. Oh, okay. I know. Right. Okay. But I felt bad for the young man. Yeah. A Washington QB who has transferred now or, or put his name in the portal, right? Right. I I can't help it. I know I'm an adult. I'm 27. The first thing I thought of was this kid just got ruthlessly beat up and mocked growing up.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. He probably. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um it's funny that Carpe posted that. I know, I know, I know he knows who Colson Yankov. Oh, he even put the end sarcasm on the end. Of, yeah, he knew who he was, but no, it's <laughs> so, you know, posted that news on Scoop yesterday before it came out, you know, publicly. And, uh, I surprised at some of the feedback, you know, some, some folks seemed to be resigned to saying he's not a good quarterback. Other folks were, you know, ready, um, you know, to take him on board. And, and, uh, I mean, I, I found it, really interesting that two Washington quarterbacks put their name in the portal Mm -hmm. more so than just Yankov. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that Yankov did because that was a terrible fit from the start. I mean, I I think that, you know, he and his family probably believed that, you know, coach Peterson might open up the offense a little bit more and cater to his running ability, his specific skill sets. But that is, if you've ever watched Chris Peterson in the last 20 years, he's never run that kind of an offense Mm -hmm.
0: and he probably never will. Yeah. Well, no, you, you've said it best before. He is running Boise State in Seattle. Oh, yeah. He he never changed. Yep. And and I'll say this in his defense. He'll always have that Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. That might be the best game of football I've ever seen. Yeah. And and it will always endear me to Chris Peterson. But if you don't change, if you don't adapt, you're going to have things like this. Where yeah. good, talented players just leave.
1: Yeah. No, I, and I think that's the thing. I mean... You know, if you go from Jake Browning, who probably wouldn't have started on, you know, 10 of the other 12 Pac-12 teams, legitimately probably wouldn't have started for those teams. Mm-hmm. Now, he had a great career, but he is a system, Chris Peterson's system quarterback to a T. Yeah. Not flashy, not fancy, protect the football, good timing. I mean, just understands the system. He's a system quarterback. To a T. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he he was again, I, I don't think that you would take Jake Browning and he would start on most other teams. maybe not even for Oregon State, uh, you know, in the Pac-12. Um, you know, you you've got uh Eason, you know, Eason transferred back after going to Georgia. He's the hometown boy. You know, if you were Colson Yankoff at that particular moment, you had to be a little bit nervous because the hometown kid comes back. You're already getting relegated to number two.
0: Yeah, and I, I think the key is there. Eason can declare for the draft after this season, mm-hmm. but he still has another year if he wants to use it. Right. And the thought might be, hey, two guys. One guy bailing would be a personal thing. Two guys jumping in the portal means that maybe Eason stays for that extra year. Yeah,
1: it, it could mean that. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't, I was not able to watch Washington's spring game this past weekend. Um, But, you know, from from what's been relayed to me and and some other, you know, sources, some other intel, you know, a lot of people kind of came away looking at that offense, kind of going, eh, all right. You know, understanding, understanding it's a spring game. Yeah. They were going to keep it vanilla. But, you know, I've heard that there's some inner turmoil, you know, in that what I would call the offensive locker room. Uh, you know about the new offensive coordinator a lot of I think some of the folks there aren't sold and there's a a little bit of concern and uh, I, I think that had some to do with you know Yankoff and Sermon deciding to leave Washington as well in addition to you know you know yeah maybe they were behind Eason and Hainer at this point and you can't really fault either one of them for kind of saying hey look you know I think in Yankoff's case specifically that was just a terrible fit offensively for his skill set. And it, it, it's not an indictment of, of, of the Huskies. It's not an indictment of Yankoff. I just think you look at those two things, and one's an orange and one's an apple. Mm-hmm. They didn't go together. you know. So I, I think if, if Yankoff, whether he was third on the depth chart, fourth on the depth chart, fifth on the depth chart, I throw that out the window because you can't go take a dual threat quarterback and put it in Chris Peterson's offensive system and expect it to work. Yeah.
0: Now, you mentioned, hey, Washington's not really a fit for him. I know he's in the transfer portal, and I know that in the past – the ducks were interested in, in him, yeah, and that was a prior regime. It's been a few years, but do you think there's any fit there at Oregon? Absolutely, I, I fully do,
1: and I know I said this on the board, but you know, and I'll explain it here just because it's a lot easier to, to do it in words than on a, on a keyboard. I get tired of typing every day, all day. But I feel you, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, as far as as far as Yankov, so you know, yankoff comes to Oregon. We'll just assume. You know he's got to sit a year and all and, and go by those things. Maybe he applies for a waiver. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? For now, let's just assume he needs to sit a year. Well, in that year, Justin Herbert's going to go to the NFL. Yes. So even as good as we believe Tyler Shuck is and how much he's improved and all these things, right now you have you are taking a risk of an unproven Tyler Shuck leading your football team. Whether he's improved or not, that's besides the point. He's unproven. He has almost zero game experience other than a couple handoffs and so you now you've got the unproven tyler shuck who i agree looked great in the spring game i've heard great reviews about him all spring so this is not an indictment of him Mm -hmm. behind him is kale millen and right now kale millen needs to develop He's a young quarterback. He's only been there a few weeks. He was injured for a good portion of spring ball. We didn't really get a chance to see him in the spring game, so we kind of want, you know, hey, everybody's maybe wondering a little bit. You know, he, he wasn't available for any of the, of the public scrimmages. Again, not an indictment of Cale of Millen. He's had only a few weeks. He's incredibly green. He should still be in high school. But again, if, if you fast forward a year, if you fast forward a year from now, the most important position on your team, has two guys on it, only two guys. And yeah, there could be a 2020 signee, who knows. But right now, you've got two guys, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You need the depth. And whether Yankoff uh, is a great quarterback, he's a Heisman, future Heisman, whatever the case might be, he's at least more experienced. He's going to come out of Washington at least with some college knowledge. He's gone through, you know, he knows he knows how to go to school. He know, I mean, you know,
0: all these little things we t- that oh, yeah. are not football-related. Which I've always thought... You need to factor in with these signings. Yeah. Uh, It is such a seismic leap to go from big man on campus at your high school to all of a sudden, hey, now your classes are serious. Right. And you got to do your own laundry and you got to cook your own meals. You got to clean your own room. Mom and dad aren't there. And you still have all the pressure of hundreds of thousands of people following your college football dream
1: and 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 additionally you know adjusting to the speed of the college football game you know college football defenses learning terminology learning so sure for yankoff there would be a learning curve of learning the offensive stuff but i consider that uh, you know something easier to do so uh, in my mind if you can get a guy like colson yankoff if oregon believes in his talent and ability i believe they will pursue him and i believe him to be a good fit now I believe him to be a good fit this year, whereas Oregon couldn't go and take Jalen Hurt this past year knowing Herbert was coming back. Okay, You know what I mean? It's the spacing. It's the one year. So now, you know, if you would have taken Jalen. Yeah, he's going to show up. He's not going to show up to Oregon and sit behind Herbert. No. I mean, that's just not how it's going to work. So, yeah, you were if you were Oregon, you were a year away from being able to take a grad transfer but yankoff is not a grad transfer he's just a transfer mm-hmm. so he's going to space out that year that a grad transfer wouldn't and even if let's just i mean you know even if right now let's just say dju goes to clemson which is incredibly possible we he, he might end up at oregon who knows if he ends up at oregon then yeah I, I don't know that you have to take yankoff that's the
0: one x factor here and i was gonna ask that so i'm glad you're going there it's the of, one x factor how it handles the dju situation i, I don't believe uh,
1: oregon here's my thoughts on this oregon could sign uh, a single 2020 quarterback or two 2020 quarterbacks so you know right now let's just assume dju goes to clemson they sign jay Butter- butterfield you know if you're mario cristobal you're looking there saying okay i've got tyler shuck and kale millen Are two prep quarterbacks really going to help me? Yes, they help me in terms of depth, in terms of numbers. Mm -hmm. But do they help me if Tyler Shuck, so help me God, goes down in the second game of the season? No. No, you want a guy that's experienced. you got to have somebody. And I think Yankov can do that. I'm not sitting here saying they have to take Yankov, but I see how it makes sense. Oh, yeah. Total sense. I mean, there's just, there's no, I mean... Oregon fans stop for a second and you know before you think oh j-hop's off his rocker he's just trying to get yank off to Oregon that's not what I'm doing at all I'm simply having flashbacks of Braxton Burmeister coming in and Oregon not being able to move the ball four yards quarter after quarter and I mean at that point yeah he was a true freshman so it's not an indictment of every true freshman that comes into the program and plays quarterback but you need to understand that chasm between a true freshman quarterback playing football and maybe somebody like Colson Yankoff, who sure hasn't played in games at Washington, but has been through a college practice for a couple of years now, you know, been in meeting rooms, understands terminology, understands the speed of the game. Like you said, all the off field stuff, you know, getting your academics done, getting your homework done. Um, that's a need for Oregon, in my opinion, having that veteran leadership. And we've talked about veter- veteran leadership with Juwan Johnson extensively. Oh, yeah. I mean, not only is he a freak; that's a great addition for Oregon. We're in an area they need it. That veteran presence, I believe, has had a significant impact on Brendan Schooler and Micah Pittman and these other guys being forced to elevate their game with him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you know what a yankoff does. Because really, again, making a lot of assumptions. Herbert goes. Tyler Shuck is the guy. You've got to push Shuck. He can't just like be the guy and not have have anyone behind him you know pushing him trying to make him better that's what makes a room better is you know when you get that iron in there to sharpen iron so as far as that goes whether Yankoff plays or doesn't play at Oregon at all in a game he comes into that quarterback room and and, and pushes the room pushes Tyler Shuck pushes Kale Millen pushes whoever just because of his presence so you know to me that's those are a few of the reasons why I think it makes sense for Oregon um, and it makes sense for for yankoff but i don't i mean oregon won't be the only one i i, I bet you chip kelly goes after him i could see yost oh he, that'd be a perfect fit yeah i mean i yeah. think texas tech you know with yost down there at texas tech you know they'll go after him uh maybe in arizona goes after him i don't i don't know i mean yo uh, yankoff's better than a dual threat quarterback he's not a dual threat quarterback he's a pretty athletic passer i guess is the way to To qualify that but then again, so is Tyler Shuck. He's not a dual threat guy, but he's pretty athletic Um, And even for that matter, Justin Herbert is in his own right Mm -hmm. um, Pretty athletic Oregon just elects not to run him much because they don't want to get him hurt. Yeah, I don't blame (laughs) them You know why they don't want to get him hurt because they don't have any depth (laughs) Yeah, did you guys hear that making my own point?
0: Well, it's not just that I mean you you have a quarterback who can sling at 60 yards would you you rather have him chuck it 60 or would you rather have him scramble on a read option get hit after a six yarder and he misses six weeks
1: right yeah like you know rushing him into the end zone on the goal line and oh, hurting God. his shoulder or something don't remind me yeah but no i mean that's that's the thing you know if you have depth you can take a little bit more risk but yeah at the end of the day you're not going to just run herbert into a pile 10 times a game because
0: that's suicide uh, a lot of questions on Scoop Duck about that quarterback situation. Uh, also, people asking about linebackers, which fascinates me because I I don't the the perception that I get on the comments is people don't like the linebacker haul. I love what the Ducks have done with their linebackers. Yeah, I
1: think what that's lending uh, more merit to right now is is. Whom Oregon is recruiting currently in the 2020 class. I think as far as 2019 goes, you know, you talk about Mace Funa and those guys. I think everybody loves those guys. I mean, they're excited there. You know, uh, for instance, this morning I made a new prediction on an outside linebacker. His name is Stephen Sings out of North Carolina. V- very few offers. I don't, I think, I think one of the sites has him ranked as a three star or something. He's virtually unknown. He has like mm-hmm. less than 500 followers on Twitter. That should tell you something. Yeah. Um, you That's know, for less than me, Yeah. That's pretty no, good. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, to a degree here, yes, uh, I, I don't mind Oregon fans that have some sense of a concern with that. You know, I see where you're going, but on the same time, go and look at the linebacker linebackers out west mm-hmm. and tell me that there's, after you remove, you know, Justin Flo and Savelle Smalls and Jordan Batello out of Hawaii off the board, mm-hmm. tell me who you really like there's there's not there isn't there isn't i mean you know the next tier after that that we're talking about you know are the guys like carson bruner and stuff like that that oregon's actively recruiting and th- those aren't bad players but there is an, a huge skip you know it's like when you go to a fantasy football draft mm-hmm. and there's three or four guys in tier one and then it skips down to tier three so you don't draft any of those guys till round five yeah that's where it's at, at linebacker recruiting there's you know, uh, Justin, Flo, you know, Flo is a stud. Patello is a stud. Savell Small's stud. Those guys are all elite, four stars or five stars. Those guys are great. But you can't sit here and bank on getting all three of those guys to fill out your group. Mm-hmm. It's unlikely you'll get all three. It's unlikely you'll probably get more than one at the end of the day. You know, Oregon is in fairly good position with Savelle Smalls, but Washington's right there too. You know, Oregon. Uh, you know, Jordan Patello uh, committed to Notre Dame. I still, I still think Oregon. You know, can make a play there, but you know. You got to go out, and you got to. You can't just sit here empty-handed. That's what the Ducks used to do, and I think that this is the connection I need to make. This is what Oregon used to do in the Chip Kelly and in the early Mark Helfrich days. They would go after those top four-star guys that they really wanted, and ultimately leave themselves with no backups. I mean, they they would virtually not recruit anybody who they would end up signing, mm-hmm. and. You cannot in this day and age you can in recruiting as what I'm talking about you cannot Neglect those other players that you know sure might be tier two or th- tier three on your board and merely go for the four or five stars I believe we've learned our lesson from that it mm-hmm. failed miserably.
0: Yeah Well, like like you're saying There's a hell of a difference between a three-star linebacker and the walk-on yes. that you have for depth. Yeah And And him starting yeah and if you don't have that depth you got to go to that walk-on
1: right and he starts for you i mean that's a i mean you know we're talking about two linebackers that were walk-ons that started for oregon the last two years yeah and i love apalu as much as the next guy i don't think anybody gives more effort than that guy but the reality is he's not a guy that should have been out there every day every snap you Mm -hmm. know he he if you want to be the alabama and the clemsons of the of the country unfortunately guys like Appaloo aren't the ones that get you there and again I'm not trying to discredit him he's a freaking phenomenal human being a great I mean that's a guy you want on your team because of his effort you know he's going to bring everybody else up and but the reality is he shouldn't be starting and he started a lot so you know my point to that is yeah you know let's just devil's advocate Oregon signs um, and I'm just going to throw the two names Stephen Sings and Carson Bruner who are both you know three-star mid-level guys not anybody anybody's in love with on scoop duck they're not going to tell savelle smalls they don't have room for Mm him that's the key they've gone out and figured out a couple guys that i i you know i think avalos and, and ken wilson you know coming from their coaching trees have gone out and identified a couple guys that will fit their scheme and do what they need to do in bruner and sings they can move them around and do things now it again those guys can come in and contribute and and be impactful players even if oregon signed both of them they're not going to tell savelle smalls they don't have room for that's the difference you know oregon's going out and getting a couple guys so that they can be sure they've got the numbers and the depth but along with that they're going to continue recruiting those four and five stars it's a pretty much the reverse of what oregon was doing and why we've only seen oregon send just a couple guys into the nfl draft the last couple years i mean really it's been very dry
0: yeah, we'll for, talk about the draft in a couple minutes. Yeah, I ask you about that. Hashtag products.
1: But overall, it's been very dry because of those reasons, because of past recruiting. You know, you can we can't really pinpoint this to, uh, you know, sure. Maybe there were some development issues along the way uh, under some of the older staff we've got too small of a sample size to say whether this current staff can develop or not in my opinion clearly mario cristobal can develop offensive line we know that yeah we don't need to like we don't need to worry about that you know as for the other some of the other coaches you know i see like dante williams his cornerbacks improved a lot it would seem he can develop but we aren't uh, you know i'm not going to sit here and say for sure that he can let's Mm -hmm. give it a year or two and then we can really tell you if he can or not Uh, you know running backs I, i think jim mastro definitely has earned his stripes over the years maybe not necessarily at oregon But, you know, from his days at Nevada and Washington State, I think we can fairly say he can develop. But we don't know across the board, you know, where everybody's at. But again, I think it'll kind of start with this year. You know, this coming year, you know, Oregon's got a clear first. Well, okay, I shouldn't say clear, but they have a really good chance at a very early first rounder in Justin Herbert going into the NFL draft. And then they got a lot of guys that could that have good early round potential. So I think we kind of see it shifting back. But again, that all starts with recruiting, and that all starts with getting guys like, you know, uh, for for instance, Jalen Jelks. We'll talk about Jalen Jelks for a second. I I think Jalen Jelks was hurt most by the system he was playing in defensively under Jim Levitt. That was not a friendly system for him. That was not a good spot. Oh, yeah. I think that affected his draft stock and position drastically.
0: Edge rushers, uh, when the NFL looks for an edge guy, the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, everything that they look for for edge guys is pass rush yeah and his primary responsibility at Oregon was not pass rush no no really
1: Oregon utilized Justin Hollins in that role more more so and I think that's what actually increased Justin Hollins draft stock yeah in in true just in the truest form I think Jalen Jelk should have gone ahead of Justin Hollins based on potential based on you know, ability, that isn't the way it worked. And again, I think that's a product of scheme. I don't believe it's an indictment of the development under Mario Cristobal's watch. I just think that, you know, Jalen Jelks was, I want to say he was like a high three, maybe a low four-star coming out of high school. Wasn't super highly regarded. You know, Justin Holland, same thing. I think he was a lower four-star. So again, you know, you go and you find those guys that fit your system and fit what you want to do. Maybe, maybe a Stephen sings sees a bump. You know, if you go watch his tape, you can't tell me that's not a damn good football player, kid out of North Carolina. And that's the thing. the The Jordan Scotts and the three stars of the of the of the Eastern Seaboard of the Southeast. Okay, those are the guys we can't physically find out west. <laughs> they are they just don't grow out here they're not de- the, the the young men are not developed in the way that those I mean Jordan Scott doesn't exist out west not in that caliber yeah. and he was like a mid three star guy he wasn't uh like a dude you know what i mean yeah. he wasn't a cave-on Thibodeau that we stole out of the SEC you know he was a guy that you know kind of burst on the scene a little bit late and Oregon you know was able to get him and again you go and get those types of bodies like a Steven Sings out of North Carolina go back and look at the draft uh, south florida the area of South Florida had more draft picks than most states. I think it had even more than the rest of the state of Florida, yeah. just South Florida. Yeah, like it, like, and it's it's a tribute to those young men, to their. I mean, just those types of athletes aren't out here in abundance. So I have no problem with Oregon going back and taking a chance on on a guy like him, or you know, like a Brandon Dorless that Oregon signed in the last class. I mean, yeah. I, I think that ends up being a really good player for Oregon, just because his his
0: wingspan his body type just doesn't grow out here. You throw the word bump around, which is another thing that I think about with these linebackers. Yeah, they might only be a 3-star now, but this is super early in the process. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just I've seen just in what I do um, and people laugh about it. I, I see a couple comments about, you know, Matt loves to talk about Medford on Scoop Duck and all that. Well, we both do. I like, you know, we yeah, yeah, talk about I I yeah, I love where I live. I love where I live. Forget but all your Eugenians and Portleans. My, my point is that just in what I do, ho dunk, small town, high school football, I have seen kids get a bump if a certain school looks at them. Absolutely. So I know that happens. Yeah. And I know that with Oregon, the way that Mario Crystal ball is respected now. Of everybody in the country, after Kayvon Thibodeau and after an awesome class just came in, everyone in the country is going to trust Mario Cristobal. Yeah. If they read that the Ducks are looking at a three star, he might get the bump.
1: Well, and you know who Mario Cristobal trusts most? Mario Cristobal. (laughs) Like, and and I say that, and but I mean, he knows freaking football players. He knows talent. Yeah. And I assure you. That his assistant staff isn't just offering dudes like on a whim, like, hey, I want to offer this guy Mario, and Mario has no clue who he is, and says, okay, go ahead. Mario watches that film. They all sit in meetings together. Yeah. He watches the same things
0: his coaches, his coaches watch. Well, I remember when we had him on the pod, you you knew you you knew he was not reading notes. Yeah. Literally 40 minutes, he just rattled off life stories of every single player that he signed at Oregon.
1: Yeah. And at Alabama. Like, he could have done it about Alabama. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, and Williams and Jonah Williams, he recruited both of those players to Alabama. So, I mean, he knows freaking football dudes. Oh. You know, I mean, and that's the thing. I, I, I think that's, you know, does it mean that we give him, you know, just total control and say, yep, Mario's got it. We trust every decision he makes. No. But I think we probably should go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt at this point because he's clearly – you know, got an eye for football talent. He knows how to develop guys. He, I mean, it's just, you know, I get some of the, yeah, I get some of the. You know, I some of the I, I'm, I, I'm the not, concern. Well, I, I'm going to say a word here, and I don't mean it to be negative towards the people on Scoop Duck, but the Star Chasers. I, I get. Yeah, I mean, it's great to sign a highly ranked class. It's there's nothing better than signing a five star. Don't get me wrong. It's great for my business. I totally understand how this thing works, but I also understand, you know you're not going to get a five-star to oregon every class and the reality is you're probably never going to get more than two in any given class to oregon the way you go and do this you go get a bunch of those nice you know highly ranked four-star dudes keep pulling them away from usc who's struggling to swim right now as far as recruiting goes you keep pulling those dudes in then you go and find You know, the guys back east that you've watched their film, you know, you've sent your coaches out there to meet their coaches, talk to them, get to know them, you know, and you take a few chances. That's what you do. You got to take a few chances and and bring those kind of guys in because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Jordan Scott commits to Oregon sight unseen. Never visited. Mm -hmm. Commits to Oregon. Here we go. Ugo Amadi. Dropped by LSU. was LSU. I can't remember final hour comes to Oregon sight unseen never visited he was you know 3 starish guy high three that I mean that's just what happens at some point you got to take a chance on some of these guys mm-hmm. uh, because
0: they did they did their homework
1: yeah yeah I mean because you're gonna look at them you're gonna you know you, you can do it without having going watching them you know play football every week you can do it it's just it takes more work it takes more dedication um and, I, and there is no doubt in my mind that Mario Cristobal works his heart his guys incredibly hard.
0: And the other thing, and you, you've hinted at this a little bit, when you lay out the effort that you have to do in recruiting to, to nab some of these guys from across the country, I think about priority. You used the analogy earlier of, of think about it like a fantasy draft where you've got players slotted into tiers, mm-hmm. right? Well, the NFL the real draft is the same way yeah of of they slot players into tiers and they draft based on value and i think if you asked all 32 nfl teams what positions do you prioritize on defense they don't prioritize the linebacker right they understand just like mario crystal ball understands at oregon you prioritize the trenches yep you get cave thibodeau you get Jalen Jelks from from years past. You sign a couple good corners on the outside yeah. to shut down wideouts, and then when those two areas are taken care of, then you can focus on linebacker. Yeah,
1: it's defensive line and corner. Yeah, those are your money makers. Yeah, and if you go look right now, Oregon's got you know uh, four four defensive backs committed. Now I am counting Peter Peter Law too, as a safety, which I do believe he'll be an outside linebacker in the end. But you know, currently they've got four defensive backs committed. And, you know, the reason for that is, is, you know, look, uh, Thomas Graham, Diamandor Lenore probably grew as much as any two players on the team, you know, from a year ago to today.
0: I agree. I think those guys are on an NFL radar.
1: Pro, They are. They are. And so does it mean they're going? No, it doesn't mean they're going. Doesn't mean they're staying. No, it doesn't mean they're staying. We don't have the ability to offer finite answers to something that remains in limbo. It's May those guys are going to need to play the season and see where things end up you know maybe maybe one gets hurt maybe they don't get hurt they have a great season you know they're on the radar of being top you know maybe you know third third, fourth round or better guys and they might make the move to go Oregon's got to kind of prepare for that in advance can't just be like oh well you know yeah we'll go out and recruit in January when those guys decide to go to the NFL
0: mm-hmm.
1: nah bro you're screwed then yeah You were screwed then, so you start actively kind of getting ready for it now, which is what they're doing.
0: I I think about it this way. In the NFL draft, you have one pick per round, Mm -hmm. right? In free agency, you have money and cap space. That's your currency, picks and cap space. In college football, at least over the table, you don't have money. Right. You don't have draft picks. You have time. Yes. And, and what this coaching staff has done is they've prioritized time in the trenches and on the outside with the corners. Yeah. Linebackers are not going to have their priority in terms of time, and
1: that's okay. And again, there's three guys out West that are really good. And I haven't mentioned Noah Sewell. That's a guy that, you know, uh, a great player, you know, a great player, but let's be real. He might be a linebacker, but he might move to defensive line. We'll see. He's kind of like Lotu. He's going to, I mean, he's, you know, he's... Six foot four, two hundred and fifty some pounds already. So, you know, yeah. Don't get me wrong. He carries it really well. I mean, he carry he he looks like he could play linebacker. But you're two hundred fifty pounds. That that doesn't happen often, Mm -hmm. especially in a pass happy Pac-12. I mean, that that really makes it hard on him when you play against Washington State or 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 UCLA or somebody with a wide open offense. You know. So again, you know, outside of those four guys, outside of those four, and I'm just going off memory. I'm even looking stuff up. Outside of those four guys. It's a huge drop off to the next level of linebackers. You're not going to get all four of those guys. So you've got to go and find um, you got to go and find guys. And so, but I think Oregon's doing that at you know, I said earlier, give Jim Mastro his dues, give Jim Mastro credit. And I you know, I know I've preached on and on that I believe that you know, Trey Benson is Oregon's top running back target. Um, in 2020, and uh, you know, of course, there's a five-star in Kendall Milton down the road in Fresno. Uh, you know, Sad Sam Adams Jr. Uh, up in uh, Washington looks great. Uh, he's a high four-star, great player. You know, right now, Jim Master really has his eye on Benson, and while he might only be the three-star with, you know, uh, a dozen offers, you know, he's got Mississippi. He's got a couple SEC offers, but he doesn't have the big, big
0: offers. Yeah
1: they like him they love him i mean and really at the end of the day you can afford to take him and even if you miss miserably trey benson ends up being the worst player on your roster you're okay because you've got six running backs on there now mm-hmm. like i mean you can take you you're afforded to take that chance you know now sure maybe kendall milton goes and has a great career or, or sam adams or whatever and why don't you take him well Oregon's is not telling them they can't come they're just prioritizing other and that's the that's the thing i keep coming back to Oregon's gonna continue to recruit, you know, those elite players. And that's the thing, like a Kendall Milton, for the most part, won't get put off because Trey Benson commits to Oregon. Like, if he really wanted to go to Oregon, he would still go. You know, it's not like, oh, they got that guy, I'm not gonna go there. He's a, he's a five star, he should be a dog, he should be like, I'm not worried about who they sign. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go where I want to go, yeah. you know, where I'm gonna you know be developed and, and have a great career. Outside of quarterback, that's pretty much you know what you expect out of a five you know they're not going to get pushed off because you signed a three star from out of you know the SEC footprint or something.
0: Oh nope, I can't go there now. They got a guy. You well, know? you you explain the situation with the running backs and what Jim Mastro is looking for. I think about Alabama and and I know that comparison is is easy. It's been drawn a lot. Oregon and Bama, but Josh Jacobs just got drafted in the first round. Yeah. Josh Jacobs was not a workhorse back. No. He didn't steal all the carries. He didn't have all the attention. They moved guys in and out, and yeah. they had a bullpen of running backs. That's what Oregon can build. Yes. So, yeah, you can bring in a five-star back, and he's not going to be mad that you signed a three-star because he understands even if you didn't sign that guy, you're not going to give 100% of your carries to one back. Right. And and also, you know, more importantly, there's no way that
1: jim mastro and mario cristobal would go after another running back if they felt good about sam adams or kendall milton i'm just using those as examples like if both those guys are saying hey look you guys are my number one just let me take a couple more visits i'm going to commit mm-hmm. and stuff they would wait they would wait i mean these guys aren't stupid it's not like they forgot how to recruit <laughs> from last year to this year it's not like you know yeah. february hit and they suddenly forgot everything they did to sign a top 10 class to oregon you know last year.
0: And I think that's the other thing to consider. And you know this better than I do, but I've even seen it locally this time of the year, families are not going to hard commit. We're not we're not going to see a ton. I mean, we we are going to see some. Right. But people are still doing their homework out there. Yeah, still visiting schools and and deliberating.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty fine line. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if several. You know, for instance, one of Oregon's commits has already taken several visits. Avante Williams, he's out of Florida. He's visited Miami. He's visited Florida. He'll keep visiting both of them. Uh, I mean, you can't really blame him. You know, I mean, that's 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 going to happen. Um, You know, he's a he's a pretty big four star, and that's what happens when you get commits like that early. Now you get a commit like say uh, Peter Latu, who was a, a fairly unknown until Oregon you know, got him committed, and, uh, you know, I, I still think he's a, I'd have to look, but he's a three-star or something on most sites. He's not a household name, but he hasn't taken any visits that we know of anywhere else right now. He's pretty locked in. So, I mean, it's it's a, you know, it's it's a balancing act. You go and get, like, for instance, Luke Hill and Miles Slusher that Oregon signed, both are highly ranked four-stars, great players, national offers, you know, the Bamas, the big schools have offered. Won't surprise me if either or both of those guys end up taking visits at some point in time. That's just kind of the risk you run, uh, you know, with that. Again, you got to balance it out. I know a lot. It it seems as though more than – it just seems as though Oregon fans specifically see a lot of things in black and white. You know, oh, well, if you're committed, you can't take visits. Well, that's just not the way it works anymore. You know, or, hey, they committed, uh, you know, that position's done. You don't have to worry about it. Well, yeah, he's committed, but he hasn't signed anything. You know, I mean, not everything's black and white. There is so much gray – you know, and if you're Mario Cristobal, you do not do yourself any favors by, you know, painting yourself into a corner and kind of pigeonholing yourself and saying, "This is it." There's no, you know, this is how I am. There's no leeway. I mean, you know, if you commit, you can't take visits. Well, then you risk the kid wanting to decommit and go take other visits. You know, hey, we're gonna only take four stars to start with, and then yeah. we'll re- recruit the three stars later. Well, you can't really do that because the three stars are being recruited by somebody else, and we'll go somewhere else in mm-hmm. the meantime you've got to remain fluid in pretty much every way you approach everything now yeah your principles are there you know the ideals you have i mean the the way the, the type of person you want to recruit you know the effort all those things are there but you can't treat every situation the exact same way and i think a lot of readers at least from posts that i see do it's like hey you know you're committed you're locked in well guess what he's 17 years old he's not even locked into what he's having for breakfast tomorrow (laughs) you know what i mean i mean that's the reality so i mean you know in a a perfect bubble world yeah that's how it works but unfortunately when it comes to recruiting that is not the case yeah
0: i mean i i think that would be an ideal but if you say that to a player and more importantly you say that to their family uh, think about when we had uh, Melissa Tawanuu, mm-hmm. Jonah's mom, she was so you could just you could sense within a minute of talking to her, and I meant this in a good way, how much command and how much presence she had in her son's process. Right, right. She helped him and led him through that. And if if you tell Melissa Tawanuu or someone similar that they can't go visit another school, they're not. Their their kids not going to your school. No,
1: that was a um, uh, so that was a talking point with Melissa and I when uh, when I was in Dallas for the opening in July. Um, you know, uh, I think it was Kalipo. Yeah, Nathaniel Kalipo is Jonah's cousin, and he committed to Washington very early in the very early like uh, February March something I don't know last year, mm-hmm. and then of course ended up signing with. But one of the things her and I were talking about at the opening in July was you know she didn't feel that was well she didn't necessarily agree with that decision but it wasn't her decision to make it wasn't her kid and she said you know like if washington you know wanted jonah to commit and told me couldn't take other visits that wouldn't fly so yeah to back up your point she specifically you know mentioned that now obviously oregon didn't say that because jonah you know visited usc a couple of times after his commitment yeah you know things got a little little heated there but um
0: well it's like if 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 I work for you, and I say, "Hey, Justin, I have an opportunity to make more money elsewhere," you're going to tell me to chase it. Yeah, right. And it's the same way if you work for me and you said, "Hey, Matt, I'm going to get a promotion at some you know 1080. The fans going to throw the big Portland money my way." You know, I say, "Cool, right? Right? I support you. Right. I'm proud of you. Right? Go chase it." With these kids, the only thing you can tell them is visit. Right. And, and find what's best for you. I just believe that Oregon's what's best for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, Oregon fans should know that because that was a, a Chip Kelly rule, you know, about, you know, if you can commit to us, you can't take other visits. Well, guess what? A lot of kids decommitted and took other visits. Right. They didn't get very many of them back. So, you know, and that was, you know, again, that was one of the biggest um, things that concerned me about potentially Chip Kelly coming back to Oregon when that was somewhat on the table was just some of his archaic recruiting tactics, you know, it 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 you know, the 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 minimal offers and the minimal effort recruiting, you know, don't get me wrong, nobody can do more with less than Chip Kelly. I totally believe that, but at the end of the day, he's also going to lose a lot of games because he's going to be outmatched at probably most positions on the field. And that makes it that much harder for him to like if Chip was an elite recruiter, if he went out and hired a team of elite recruiters and just did what he did offensively, he'd freaking run the gamut through the Pac-12 without a question. But he won't do that. That's just he just that. That's a guy that, to back up my point about Mario Cristobal being flexible, that's a guy that's not flexible at all. I mean, it's this is how I'm doing it. This is the way it, and and you know that's fine. That formula works for Chip, and it, and it is what it is. I'm not picking on him. Whereas you know I think Mario Cristobal has certain elements that he's pretty specific about maybe the type of offense he wants to run and, and being, you know, maybe run first and, and, and some of those philosophies, but overall so many other elements he's flexible on and tries to, you know, figure out the most effective way to help his team or help recruit. And, uh, you know, I think that says a lot. It's, I think that's tough for a head coach. Cause most of those guys are alpha male, you know what I mean? Just like my way, the highway, Yeah. you know, and, and I'm not going to say, you know, definitely Cristobal runs the show and he, he, delegates what he wants done to his, his assistant coaches and recruiting staff. But, um, you know, it's it's just a different way of handling things. You know, last thing I want to mention, you know, we can move on or whatever, but, um, you know, something about this recruiting the under-radar guys, there's one big change that I can point to, and I know I've mentioned it before, but it uh, but I'll circle back, it's to Ryan Barto being in that recruiting office. And the reason I bring it up is because Ryan Barto, you know, was a national analyst for, you know, he's done, he's done, he's done what I've done and done it from, he's done it from a team perspective. He's done it from a national perspective for 15 years. He knows, you know, this side of things that I do things. Mm-hmm. He has visited probably... 80% of the high schools that have signed a kid in the last 3 or 4 years. He's wow. you know uh, first hand relationship with their coach and assistant coach, their mom, whatever. Now it doesn't mean he knows every 2020 kid cuz he's been out of the game, you know, for a year or two, uh, as far as doing it this from from, from this side, from this side of things. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. those relationships with those coaches haven't changed. So what I mean by that is, you know, anytime a coach uh, let's say steven singh's coach for perfect example has a player that says, Hey, look, this is a dude that nobody's on yet. And I'm you know, and you build that trust with those coaches. You know when they're when they you know, you know certain coaches when they call you and tell you they have a dude. Mm -hmm. And then you know some coaches when they call you and tell you that they have a dude, you gotta watch tape on him. (laughs) And and, you know, I mean it happens. I like I don't fault a coach for trying to promote his players. I I I, I support that fully. You know why it happens. Yeah, but some of them need you know, some of them you need to watch their film and other ones you need to Get the film to the head coach and say, Coach, this guy says he's got a dude. In you know, in Stephen Singh's case, for example, that was a connection with Ryan Barto and that coach reaching out saying, Look, I got a dude that Eastern Carolina's offered and Old Dominion's offered, and that's it. He's gonna blow up. Wow. And I, and I think that that's another element that goes into you know, like Trey Benson. Trey Benson was kind of a nobody really, and then he blew up at the opening regional down there was like the MVP and and posted some pretty good numbers. You know, and now he's a little bit more of a of a national name, not totally, but a little bit more. And that's so having somebody like Ryan Barto in your office that probably gets information that most offices don't. It doesn't mean these coaches don't build relationships; they do. Um, but having him, basically, that being his sole job, you know, connecting with coaches, asking them if they've got dudes, finding dudes, and then combing through that film and getting who's good enough to the assistants or to the head coach. You know, that's an important part of this process that I think has been overlooked. This is not to take away from Kenny Sanders and 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 and, uh, and Thomas Orenz and the other guys doing all their jobs. They're doing a wonderful job. My point is to allude, you know, why is Oregon recruiting more of these under-the-radar guys? Well, that's because I think they're getting f- found probably in part by Ryan Bartow. Ryan Bartow was a huge part of 24-7. He was a... Pivotal piece, you know, for a, a period of time there, the uh, the Army All American game, which was tied with twenty four seven Sports, you know, twenty four seven Sports was picking a good portion of the players they wanted for that game. Wow! One of the keys for that was Ryan Barto, because they're in a pretty heated battle with like Under Armour. You know, the Under Armour game's big. Yeah, yeah. And then now you've got the Polynesian Bowl, which is in January. It's a different time, so it's not really a battle. You know, those guys were always fighting for the top guys. Well army got really good there for a while because ryan Barto was so good at finding these guys before they had all the offers you know barton simmons or steve Wiltfong or whoever would watch film on and go yeah this is a dude and they'd immediately get them bumped up to a four star or whatever and that's another element you know you start getting you know stuff to these uh guys that rank the players and rate mm-hmm. the players and say hey look here's a dude that nobody else knows about you know, it, it adds a lot to your credibility when you're Barton Simmons and say, hey, look, here's a kid that has two offers. I'm hanging my hat on him saying he's a, a top 100 player. You give yourself a lot of credibility if you're Barton Simmons by doing that. You know, you know who can help you do that is a guy like Ryan Bartow that goes and finds guys. Mm-hmm. But now Ryan Bartos doing that for Mara Cristobal. So I think some of these under-the-radar guys that Oregon's finding at certain, like for instance, Roger Rosengarten was a guy Oregon offered really early, uh, lineman out of uh, Colorado. Uh, for now he's a four star he was a nobody now he's a four star and he was invited to the army all american game a couple of weeks after that it's not just coincidence people i mean this is the type of stuff that happens kind of behind the scenes so anyways i've gone on a tangent but i think that adds a little bit of credibility to why oregon is maybe taking a few more chances and and offering and going after players that aren't just top 150 players four stars five stars
0: yeah no, the, the implication that I get from hearing you talk about this is it would be like in the NFL draft, you, or or here's a, here's a better analogy, you know how uh, in Back to the Future, Biff's got that book, Back oh, to the yeah. Future 2, he's the got that almanac. book that he can bet on, yeah. Imagine knowing how the NFL draft is going to shake out Right. Uh, in, in advance, right. right? Imagine knowing what other teams' draft boards were. You don't have that same issue in college football, but this is kind of the equivalent. You can figure out how other teams are going to prioritize talent. If you know that a guy right now, hey, he's only got offers from East Carolina and Old Dominion, but he's going to be a five-star, or he's going to be a four-star, you can project that, you can see that, and, and... you can fight off other schools with that.
1: Yeah, because you're the first relationship. You've been recruiting him for two months longer than those other schools. You yeah, know, you you've gone through you know with him breaking up with his girlfriend or flunking ten tests or whatever the case is or passing ten tests or whatever. You've got you know you've gone as a as a as a coaching staff gone through those things and built those relationships and you know I, those those are the types of things that are really important and I think that's a big reason why you know Oregon was able to get you know Luke Hill committed and get miles slusher commit. both those guys had legit offers i mean those are top elite four stars and and i think those are guys that dante williams and keith hayward prioritized very early in the process and i'm talking when i say very early in the process i'm talking like november like you know i'm not just talking like oh they started picking up the phone in april and calling him extra hard and got him to commit because of the spring game there was a whole ton of groundwork that was laid you know months and months before that now sure maybe some other offers came along the way but Maybe not everybody recruited them as hard as those two coaches did or, or Oregon did. Um, and it helps when Mario Cristobal is as active as he is in recruiting. When your head coach is pretty much willing to call or FaceTime or talk to any recruit almost any time, that's a pretty valuable tool. Yeah.
0: We saw it firsthand what should have been his day off, what should have been a sabbatical. He was calling into our podcast. Yep. He just he loves football. Loves I mean, football. All right. Um I gotta ask you about products Had four draftees over the weekend. I love the fit for Ugo Amadi in Seattle. Yeah,
1: no, I'm with you. I I think that's a tremendous fit. Um, you know, for the Seahawks, and for Ugo, you know, just with his skill set, I think, you know, with the way that they've used like the Richard Sherman's of the past, kind of being that physical. Uh, corner, I think he can do that. Yeah. Um, you know, he ended up playing safety at Oregon, but you know, NFL is a different different game. You know, that's a guy you can you can run as a nickel, which they they definitely run a lot more uh, in the NFL because of how much it's become a passing league all over. And then, of course, with the uh, you know with the division that the Hawks are in, there's a lot of throwing that goes on. So I I I, I love that fit. I think uh, you know I think Pete Carroll. One of the things he's done a really good job of is. He knows the the Pac-12 footprint. He knows the West Coast. And I think he really values players from the West Coast more than any other area. And that's tough to say at the NFL level, but I think he does simply because of his, his you know understanding. And, and he goes and finds – my point to that is he, he goes and finds somebody like Ugo that maybe not a lot of other NFL teams prioritized. But he did probably just because of how familiar he was with him, watching him at Oregon for a couple years, you know, maybe knowing some of the coaches on staff down there and talking to them about him. So, yeah, I think he was a great fit. I think Justin Hollins is a great fit at Denver, too.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, well, I, I did a draft show on Thursday night, mm-hmm. first round of the draft at Tap City Beverage here in Medford. And um, my, my father was with me. He watches more college football than anybody I know. So he's always my Mike Mayock, if you will. Right. And. We both just kept raving about what we thought was the best coaching hire of the offseason, uh, Denver having Vic Fangio as their head coach. He's a linebacker guru. Yeah, He knows how to develop guys. He knows how to turn a, a middle linebacker into an outside linebacker or an outside linebacker into an edge rusher. And I think he is perfectly primed to get the most out of Justin Hollins.
1: I'm, I'm really surprised you didn't pick Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think I think as far as I can't wait to see how that unfolds. Oh my gosh What a what a cluster. Uh, I'm not an Arizona fan, so I don't care. Um, that's gonna be bad Yeah, I a- think at least
0: I think it's gonna be bad.
1: I think it's gonna be bad, too I think it's gonna be abysmal, but whatever I mean, I, he's welcome to surprise me. I love by the way how Josh Rosen handled Everything that went on there, right? I mean just frickin right all
0: class well everybody complains about this kid for four years of all oh, he's a brat in the hot tub and he's a whiny millennial and even his college coach said hey you know short attention span you got to get his concentration right they're all crapping on Josh Rosen right and then Josh Rosen comes out his agent says after day one when they haven't traded him his agent says we believe the Cardinals will keep you and they're going to keep both guys and Rosen doesn't say double down force a trade he doesn't pout and say i want them to release me he doesn't complain he says cool right i'm gonna beat kyler murray yeah and he probably would have but i mean i don't
1: i don't believe in the kyler murray project i I mean i just i don't see it i mean i know everybody wants to point to russ wilson or you know even a, a you know like a drew Brees or whatever and say you know under six foot quarterback to make it. I believe that wholeheartedly under six foot quarterbacks can make it. I just don't yeah. believe he's the under six foot quarterback that will, but we'll, we'll see. He'll, he'll end up in baseball in a few years. If it, if I had to guess mm. probably make some money either way, he's, he's going to be fine. But yeah, I, I, uh, you know, back to our original point. Well, for, you know, to repeat, I love, I love how Rosen handled everything. He wouldn't did that. Larry Fitzgerald, uh you know softball tournament like the next day or whatever slamming dingers well yeah not only that but stayed in town (laughs) specifically for that should have been going to miami but stayed you know for that for a good cause and just you know so i love the way that he he's handled himself since then uh as far as as far as the other picks i think justin Hollins lands himself in a good spot um i think dylan mitchell ended up in a tough spot that's that's gonna be a tough one there vikings yeah seventh round yeah i mean it doesn't well I'm a little surprised he went in the seventh round, but I didn't believe he would be better than a fourth at best. The fourth was like the best he was going to go in my opinion and not early. Um, so to see him drafted in the seventh, really, I guess, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I mean, I don't blame him for going. I mean, you know, he'd made the decision to go definitely somewhere in the middle of the season. He knew he was going, mm-hmm. but uh, um, yeah, that, you know, and then you're backing up a, uh, uh, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs and Vikings at, in Minnesota. That's uh, that's tough.
0: It's a pretty full receiving core. I yes. agree with you. It, it's it's going to be tough to imagine him making the team. And the the question for me, we read the, a lot about this this weekend on Twitter. People asking about did he make the right decision? Mm-hmm. And and I mean, there's there's personal things and emotional things to consider that I'm not privy to. But I would just assume on the money, even as a seventh round pick, he's going to get a ten or twenty thousand dollar bonus. Yeah, he'll make. I mean, he'll make
1: money for the year. I mean, I you know, my opinion from from the sources I'd heard, you know, he he ha, he had a tough time sticking with with school, and I think somewhere probably pretty early in the last season, kind of made the conscious effort that, hey, I'm, I'm kind of done. I'm going to uh, go. And there you go. Yeah, yeah, and that's valid. There's no way you can go back and you know february hits and think oh you know i'm not gonna get drafted high enough i want to stay in school yeah he was kind of he kind of pigeonholed himself there painted himself into a corner at that point so i don't think there was any way he was wanting to stay and come back i, I just don't think that you know school was a, a top priority for him and, that, and that's fine it's not for everybody that's mm-hmm. you know no judgment here it's yeah. you know he's, he's gonna go make a, a hopefully he goes and makes way more money than i'll ever make and, and if even if he can play three or four years you know on with a team somewhere i mean he'll be fine He'll be good as long as he doesn't blow it all right away.
0: Yeah, so, and and realistically, with whiteouts, you are lucky in that a team will keep six guys. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, keep a lot of guys. And it's becoming a pass happy league, so you know people are are taking more chances on receivers simply because it can pay off big for them. So I I hope it pays off big for him. Not surprising, he went seventh. A little surprising, he went to the Vikings, but um, yeah. I mean that was it. And Jelks, uh, let's see, where did
0: Jelks end up? This is the most obvious draft pick ever. <laughs> I mean, when I look at Hunter Renfro going to my Raiders, yeah. and um, the other one that I did get wrong, I thought Andy Isabella was going to be a Patriot. I thought I thought Belichick would have like traded up for Isabella, but, uh, and Keel Harry fixes that problem. Jalen Jelks going to the Cowboys. Cowboys, yeah. When I, you know they're looking at measurables, and right. you know they get caught up in his cannon biceps, yep. perfect cowboy.
1: Yeah, no, he he is. Could be could be a good fit, but that's pretty tough room to crack into
0: down there. But we'll we'll see. I, that one wasn't bad. And and that's a team. Jerry Jones is kind of like late Al Davis in this way. Yes, he'll take a flyer on a seventh rounder. Yeah. and he'll tell the coach, no, this guy's gonna make the team. Right. Or or no, this guy. You can't just cut this guy. You got to put him on practice squad. Yeah, we're gonna groom this guy because he's got athleticism that we can't coach. Right. Have you seen his speed? Yeah. Right. Right. The old Al Davis draft on forty times. Yeah. yeah. But but sometimes the teams that operate that way they get picked on in the moment. People will say, "Ah, oh, you know the Cowboys drafted Jalen Jelks," and everybody in the NFL, the Daniel Jeremias of the world, will point at his production and say, "Who did they get?" Right. right? Raw. But the teams that that do that, stash a raw guy, a guy that, like you mentioned earlier, wasn't done any favors by his college scheme, so he comes in lacking some of the tools that the NFL will look for from an edge rusher. A team like Dallas will be patient, stash him on the practice squad for a year, give him an opportunity to learn and grow and get NFL reps, and then a year passes by and holy hell, who is this freak, Jalen right. Jelks, with 15 sacks? Right.
1: No, I agree. I, I, you know, again, and that lends merit to, um, you know, that lends merit to something we hear Mario Cristobal preach: at development. You know, the development doesn't stop in college. You know, you go from college, you go to the NFL. The development continues. Yeah. You know, some some guys, you know, don't bloom until late in their NFL careers. You just, you simply never know. And I think. You know, like you said, Jalen Jelks. You kind of look at him. Uh, you know, look at his, look at his. You know, look at his frame. Just look at his his body type. Probably saw him. You know, obviously saw him at the NFL Combine and go, man, that's a, that's a kid that could be a dude. I think he could be, and I think, I think the right system can really boost his 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 potential i think it can really you know make him he 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 would have been a terror in an andy avalos defense
0: yeah and we see this every year in the nfl guys on the offensive and defensive lines and and you see it in the backfield as well with running backs guys that were not invited to nashville they weren't sitting backstage in the green room Mm -hmm. guys that maybe they didn't have a big you know, showing at the combine or they didn't have a big thing at the senior bowl, but guys that just get the reps, yeah, get in a good scheme, get with a good coaching staff and their career clicks. Yeah. Jared Allen. Yeah. Jared Allen was undrafted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's got to work hard. I mean, it's those guys that work hard and, you know, first one in, last one to leave, you know, kind of mentality. That'll that'll go along. And I think Jalen is a really hard worker. So I think you know, for him, I think that'll be, and, and there's no doubt that Ugo's a really hard worker. I think he could really do well there. One guy, my favorite pick, though, favorite, the one that I think will outperform by far is Keno Dillon to the Redskins.
0: The undrafted free agent. Undrafted free yeah, agent. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Like, he's a freak. He's a freaking freak, and unfortunately, he didn't get to show it last year because he was injured for pretty much the whole season, and even when he played, he still wasn't 100%. I mean, the Dude's a freak I, and I and the way the sk, the skins use their tight end. He's a freaking perfect fit for them Yeah,
0: I would agree with you, but I'm still recovering from maybe my worst ducks prediction ever a couple years back I I was just convinced Pharaoh Brown I thought man Raiders got an absolute coup got him. Yeah Yeah, I think
1: that one might lend merit to the hard-working part that I mentioned a little bit ago probably yeah <laughs> I, You know and, and again, it's you know it's a grind. I get it, but you know, unfortunately, football f- favors the hard workers. It just does. I mean, yeah, th- there are some supremely naturally gifted human beings in this world that can just get by, but if you look at the NFL, yeah, everybody in the NFL has superior athletic ability to all the rest of us. But there's a few guys in that NFL that just have it, you know, mm-hmm. and like and can get away with just having it, where the rest of the guys. That other 98%, it comes down to hard work, you know, and
0: it's tough. That's why I've always said the reason the Patriots get great draft uh, draft grades is not just because of reputation, right? Right. I know that that helps, but I think the reason that every year the draft Knicks love what New England does is because they draft based on IQ. Yeah. They're not looking at 40 time. They're not looking at measurables because they take that approach. Everybody at the NFL level is good enough. Yeah. They're looking for, can we throw you a thick playbook and and a massive meaty game plan on Monday and can you prep it and have it ready by Saturday? Yeah.
1: No, I agree. I yeah, I think there's something to be said for IQ and something for... At the end of the day, you just go find football players, like dudes that love to play football. I mean, there are a lot of guys that have come through Oregon and other programs that are tremendous football players that just don't love playing the game. And I think that is kind of the seed to who's going to work harder. You know, that kid that, you know, like a, a Vander Esch comes to mind, mm. clearly loves football really not that supremely supremely athletically
0: gifted I loved his story
1: yeah and he's gonna go and you know probably nobody works harder than that young man and you know and he's gonna go and, and probably carve out a nice little career and uh you know I, I think that's some you know and I, I bring him up he's a obvious one for me because I I bring him back to you know what's Oregon doing with some of these under the radar guys well they're going out and finding you know maybe guys that love the game of football that have you know, long levers, long arms. You know, can move, can bend, can twitch. Uh, they can kind of fill in the rest from there. Yeah. Uh, not everybody has to be a polished product coming into the program.
0: You know, what's amazing about that that story? Uh, he's he's a classic example of the under the radar guy. Yeah. Literally, no schools found him, and and the proof is in all of his teammates. He was playing six man football. Everybody else at that level. I know because I've covered games for the schools that sign these kids. It's Montana Tech, yeah. Montana Western, Idaho it's State. Rocky Mountain, yeah. Idaho State. If yeah. you're really lucky, right? Uh, th- th- you do not uh, uh, Colorado Western, whatever right. school that Danny Woodhead came out of. Uh, th- those guys do not get D one offers. Right? They just don't. Right? And Vander Esch goes to Boise State, and now he's in the NFL. Yeah, like, it's absolutely insane.
1: Yeah coached under andy avalos you know i think i think there's a lot to be said there yeah that's why that's why i say go look at stephen singh's film and just just watch this film don't don't go into it with hey he's you know he got four offers or whatever go watch the kids film and then he's like yeah he can play football you know and and i think i think that's some of what you know mario cristobal is prioritizing too is you know maybe not iq quite as much Mm -hmm. but does this kid love to play football you know is he a, yeah. is he a dog if you will i mean I, they look for that
0: well it's an opportunity for ducks fans to just take a deep breath enjoy the sunshine enjoy the blue skies and say i believe in Andy avalos
1: yeah well, speaking of sunshine and are are we
0: are we almost done yeah it's almost that time it's, i don't know it's We've been, been going over, for over an hour oh it has I, if yeah, you I mean, want to go 100% football we yeah. can just kill it yeah i, I know. just know we're going to get like yeah. one person who goes Talk about baseball, well, you yeah. know. But there'll yeah. be
1: one. So is there? So finish with that. Then is there a baseball and softball? Do we know? There are. There, there are. Okay. Well, let's um, let's let's hit that real quick. It's not not major, but yeah. Let's hit that real quick so I can go get a lunch in the
0: sunshine. So what time is it? Twelve thirty. Twelve thirty. Yeah. On a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. Civil War softball mm. did not mm-hmm. go well.
1: Mm-hmm. Nope.
0: I did catch that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll say this. I thought at the beginning of the year, and and I had read like one of my my good friends in the industry, uh, Brandon Camerman. If you live in Eugene, you know him. He's a TV reporter on one of the stations up there. He used to work. Here he used to Valley. work down here. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brandon, in his highlight reel, he said, "Wow, you know, this was the big surprise of the weekend." I didn't think so. I thought a couple months ago, when all the stories were coming out about players leaving Oregon, I said, Beeves win the Civil War series this year." Gotcha. Unfortunately, it happened. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, you know, yeah, it is. What it is. Yeah. It, I mean, it kind of is what it is. If you're I mean, nobody's expecting, you know, uh, playoff tournament implications. I don't think from softball or baseball. Baseball's close. But, baseball's close. Yeah. But baseball damn, has a chance. Baseball's hindered because of how damn good the rest of the conference yeah. is.
0: Yeah. I mean, Pac-12. It's it's a blessing and a curse. Your RPI is awesome, yeah, and and that's going to be their saving grace. I think if they get a three or a four seed, because you've got UCLA, Stanford, Oregon State all in the top of every right. freaking poll. But um, the record concerns me. Yeah, of they they kind of teeter totter between 500 in conference, under 500 in conference. The question now is, they they had a light conference schedule to start the campaign now we saw that Stanford series where they just get shelled yeah and uh, lose to San Jose State yesterday Mm. easier stretch coming up you got Arizona I think those are winnable games right Portland on a Tuesday that could be a weird one they beat Oregon State a month ago and then May 10th 11th and 12th you host the Beavers Mm. I can't wait for that series man
1: yeah. So like a 50-50. So they're like, they're right at 500-ish now. And so they could be 500 the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, uh, maybe. You're looking at a, at a four seed probably. I
1: wonder if like a, you know, maybe like a couple bigs. big, you don't even have to sweep the beavers, but maybe like a, if you could sneak a couple wins out of that, if that would bump them up just enough. Oh, I, I yeah. think
0: if they win that series, that's a statement to the yeah. rest of the country. Yeah. I think it will be close.
1: Well, I guess that's a wrap. Okay. Right, We don't have to talk about basketball. There's no basketball.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think, th- I mean, people want to talk about the Auburn game. Yeah. I think we got to wait even we got, longer we for times,
1: right? We got, we got time, people. Eight yeah, months, we got, nine
0: months. We got time. Good yeah. gracious.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a wrap for today, guys. Thank you. I'm going to go enjoy the sunshine, get out of the studio, and have lunch, I think.